Hello there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks, Morris. I am Marie, the SLP, and on today's episode, we are doing a fun Q&A. A couple weeks ago, I reached out to you all on Instagram and asked you if you had any questions for me, whether it's about my uh, speech-language pathologist life, whether it's about my life in general, um, about gratitude, mindfulness. So uh, I got some questions. I'm going to read them off and answer them as we go here. Some of them were similar, so I'll kind of bunch those together, but I'll make sure I shout out um, the wonderful humans who asked me questions. And I can't wait to do more of these. So this is for the month of July. We'll see uh, next month if we get more. I'll break it up into a couple different episodes. But here we go. So the first question comes from Allison at Allison Baroker, And she asks, For things that I wish I would have known before grad school, well, lots of things. Um, I actually have a whole podcast on grad school for incoming grad students, current graduate students, anything like that. So that's definitely one of, I think it's like episode number four or five or something. It's an earlier episode. So I definitely recommend checking that out. But I will tell you a couple like of just overall things. The first thing that comes to mind um, is asking questions ask questions. Don't be afraid like I was my first semester of grad school where I just wanted people to think I knew everything. It doesn't matter what people think. And really asking questions in life, but also just in grad school when you're just learning so much is so important because one, it opens up the opportunity for more conversation. So if you ask a question in class because you want to hear a little bit more about something, maybe you didn't understand something, so you need the professor to maybe word it a little bit differently or give you a different example, you get more, one, you get a different perspective or a different way to say it, but then you might have a classmate either come up to you after class or during class, give some input, and then right there you've just facilitated or promoted this whole conversation um, that might end up helping you in the clinical setting. Um, You know, maybe it ends up being that you can give your example, you know, well, my client has this goal for the cuss sound and I really don't know what to do. And Maybe your professor will then just directly look at the goal and help you out that much more. So asking questions is not a bad thing. It is, it's not a shameful thing. It is a good thing because you may not even just be helping yourself learn more. You, there may be somebody else sitting there like I was who didn't want to ask questions that just got the question they needed answered. So you're doing a lot more good (laughs) than anything else by doing that. Other things I wish I would have known, um, you know, I, I was born a perfectionist. Um, I, <laughs> you know, didn't have much patience for mistake in my life. I think from a young age, um, my mom always tells me this and it took a lot of growing up through grad school and learning that as a speech pathologist and as a clinician, which I know a lot of us are very type A, we like things planned out. We like things perfect sometimes, not all the time. But I think uh, I've gone in the last few years from being very perfection-oriented to very imperfection-oriented. I actually, and I think a lot of this has to do with, and there's a question that comes up later about improv. Um, If you know me, you know I do comedy improv on the side. Uh, That's my side hustle. No, my side gig. Um, But I do comedy improv, which has just kind of nipped that need to be perfect perfect in the bud. Like I, I still, you know, of, of course I still, there are aspects of my life where I'm like, no, 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 I have to have a plan. You know, I, I need to have a schedule. I need the, I need a routine. I need to know this or that that's coming, whatever. But for the most part, it has helped me be way more flexible and helped me really 
embrace the mistakes, embrace the mess, because the best learning comes through the mistakes. Um, And that goes into my next little point about grad school is not striving for all the good A's. And, you know, because think about as you go into grad school, remember, what is my why? You know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want all straight A's through my grad program? Or am I doing it because I want to help individuals communicate? So that was my whole thing that I kind of learned my second half of grad school. And then as I grew into, you know, being a clinical fellow and then, you know, a fully um, certificated speech pathologist, like I realized, you know, it doesn't matter if, um, if I know exactly what's going to happen in a therapy session, because really I'm just trying to help this little guy enjoy communicating and get his joint attention, um, to where he needs it. So he has functional communication or whatever it is, but like, you learn sometimes through trial and error. You learn better through the mistakes. And so embrace them and don't get mad at yourself because I would get mad at myself for making mistakes in my first clinics in grad school. And it was so stressful and it's not worth it um, because we're there to help other people enjoy it. So we need to, you know, learn how to enjoy it too. And the mistakes, especially when you're in preschool, oh man, let me tell you, the mistakes are the best part. They're so fun because you can just laugh at them and learn through them. And, um, you know, I, I'm just full on embrace them at this point. <laughs> okay. But again, there's a whole podcast on that. I really recommend you listen to it. I also put it on my blog too. Um, if you'd rather read it. So that's there for you. All right. Um, Taylor from Tay Noob at Tay Noob asks, how do you utilize your background in improv to help, um, myself or my students in treatment? And a similar question came through from, uh, psych to be an SLP. That's my friend Rebecca. She um, asked about incorporating theater and therapy. So I'll start with the first part of Taylor's question, which asks how I utilize it for myself in therapy. So like most clinicians, we realize there's this need to be on, right? We have to be enthusiastic to get, why did I say it like that? Enthusiastic, enthusiastic to motivate our clients, whether they're adults or children, whether you're working on swallowing, feeding, or language or speech or whatever it is, we w- that enthusiasm is just more motivating and it's more fun. And, you know, we talk about building rapport um, and we want to build a fun environment for people to communicate in. And so um, one of the things, you know, one of the first rules of improv is enthusiasm. So I think that that has helped me just kind of realize that sometimes even though maybe I'm drained and my energy is kind of gone to um, think of things or think of ways or find, you know, find strategies that will help me keep that energy. Um, You know, sometimes it's, it's being a little bit over the top excited because, oh my gosh, it's a jack in the box for the 20th time. We're going to spin this, uh, wind this up and make it go. (laughs) It's just like, okay, but you just kind of have to pull it out of nowhere sometimes. And so I think remembering that that enthusiasm helps motivate the same as it does in improv. The enthusiasm helps motivate the scene. It helps keep the energy up in the scene, keep the, the heart beating in the scene. And same thing for our therapy. Another thing that I learned in improv, again, when we go back to looking at making mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, so that's a big one too, learning from them. But um, also yes anding. So something from improv is you yes and. You always agree with your partner, your scene partner, and then you add information because you want to stay true to the scene. If you negate what, what the scene, your scene partner just said, if they said they're feeling horrible and you say, no, you're not then that you just kind of denied them 
Well, you denied yourself the gift of getting that emotion and playing on it, right? But you also denied them their emotion. And that's like telling them you don't hear them. You're not listening. Well, same thing in a speech therapy session. If I compare it to my littles um, in preschool, if I am not following their lead or if I, you know, um, am not trying to interpret their communication, if they're giving me a gesture and I'm ignoring it because I really want them to use a word, um, it's the same thing as denying their reality or their truth in that moment. So following their lead is huge. You'll hear me talk about that a lot. If I want to play, if I had popped the pig ready to go, but my student is like going for the trains and I'm, you know, we're working on whatever we're working on, but let's say we're working on expressive language and I have my visuals already with my pop the pig language board and I was going to have them go pop open big and you know, nope, that's not happening because they really want the trains and they're, you know, they're either signing for train or they're going choo-choo, choo-choo or whatever it is. Well, how much more motivating is the whole session going to be for them if I stick true to what they want? If I stay true, if I say yes and I add on that, right? I add the information just like an improv, you say yes and. So if I add that information going into playing trains, right? I give, you know, we, we work, we we work on um, stop and go. We can work on, um, you might still be able to work on pop. I don't know. But like, you know, find ways to add in that language, right? Um, so super helpful things. There's so many more ways. And I'm actually, 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 I'm working on some videos to share with you guys the ways you can use some improv techniques as clinicians um, and also ways to use improv games with your students or clients. So stay tuned for that. But those are just kind of some quick ways that I'll do it. Another, um, uh, question, the next part of this question, sorry, from Taylor and from Rebecca is how do you incorporate them in treatment? So, um, you know, I used to get like, especially in preschool, I used to be like, darn, like I can't use my improv stuff because they're little and they may not get it. Nope. They'll get it they will get it whether or not they know that you're like what you know you don't have to say we're gonna play this game it's an improv game it's what actors do right but you could just play a game so one thing I did that was really fun once was I had a little girl say I want to play outside I said okay let's pretend we're outside so you know she said I want to play with the big bouncy ball I said okay here we go and I pretended to have a big bouncy ball which is something you do at improv a lot so we just we passed this bouncy ball to each other and you know what that worked on it worked on eye contact, joint attention. It worked just on attention and having to attend to whose turn it was, turn taking. So we passed this imaginary ball around. They thought it was hilarious. And then we started pretending to catch it funny. So they throw it to me and I would, you know, kind of sit on the floor like, oh, that was so hard. You're so strong. You know, and then I'd throw it really soft and see if they could interpret how I threw it through that body language. So even something as simple as that is theatrical, theatrically based. It's very improv based. It works on, um, you know, kind of what we call an improv, like the mind meld of tuning in with each other. Um, in from first grade to eighth graders, I've worked, I've actually specifically taught certain improv games. One game I love, it's a very big yes anding game. So you can work on, um, receptive language, short-term memory, you can work on expressive language, social skills. Gosh, I'm forgetting plenty, but all at once. Even fluency, because you can give carrier phrases that might help um, depending on what fluency techniques you're using, right? So, so many things that you can do, but this game in particular is called the ad game. And in this game, again, yes, anding is big. So if you have a group of two or more kids, 
this is perfect. And, you know, you obviously have to judge what your students goals are, what, you know, if this is something maybe they can attend to or understand. Otherwise, you know, just throw an imaginary ball around. But I have more games for you that I'm going to make sure I make videos of. So these are just ideas to get you started. So in this game, you just take any object and I would have my kids choose because, again, following their lead. So I'd show them, I, you know, we'd have a pen, maybe a pair of glasses and an eraser. And, um, you know, in this specific group, I know for a fact because I have it written down somewhere, but they chose an eraser uh, out of their choices. These are my like sixth graders, I think I had. And so they, there were, there was a range of goals in this group from social to receptive language. So it was perfect because you could hit all the things. And so what you do with this is you give, you know, you give student A the eraser, they get to hold it. It's tangible. They get to hold it. They get to look at it. And I would tell them, look at it, look at all the colors and feel it. You could talk about how it feels, but the idea is they have to make up random, not random, but like make up kind of more crazy outlandish attributes for it. And I would give them examples and then they would do this. So uh, let's say, so they would say, this is a magical eraser. Oh, and the idea is they're selling it. They're trying to sell it to me. So they're a marketing agency. So they'd be like, oh, this is a magic eraser. This magic eraser can erase any mark that you get on the wall with anything, right? Which is actually a real product. So then, <laughs> so then student B would take it and he'd have to say, yes, this eraser can erase anything you get on your walls with anything. So he'd repeat what the first kiddo said, because that's, that's that, you know, he's, he's um, doing that kind of short-term memory, short-term recall. And then he would have to add something. He would say, and this eraser can erase any bad mark on a test before your parents see it. And then it would go to student B C and he'd have to say the first two things and then make up his own. And so this, I remember this like clear as, clear as uh, mud, clear as day. <laughs> he said, yes, this eraser can um, erase anything you get on the walls and it can erase any bad mark on a test and it can erase anybody that comes to your house if you don't want them to be there and like it was so hilarious and I just I was so proud of them because they totally got it and it was so fun and like they were that enthusiastic I mean they were they had the roles down they had the voices down it was awesome and you can't you can add voices you can start working on characters with kids like my mom is a sixth grade teacher and her elective is to teach um like do drama stuff. And so she, cause we do improv together. She pulls in all that improv stuff and teaches them and they love it. And they're so good at it. So there's so many different games, but again, stay tuned for more information on that. Cause I'm going to get some fun videos out to you guys. Okay. Um, Rebecca from psych to be an SLP also wants to hear about some of the funniest things kids have said to me, funny therapy stories. And then, um, my friend Christine over at Introverted Speechy also asked for stories about children eloping from speech. So I'm going to kind of lump these all in in, in uh, one little moment here. So my funniest moment to this day is when a three, almost four-year-old told me to calm down and totally meant it. Um, without giving too many details, I um, was working on this on with this child on, uh, well, he um, was on the autism spectrum and would definitely we would kind of indirectly work on emotional regulation. We'd work on understanding facial cute or facial expressions. He had an emotions goal and all kinds of stuff. And so one day he came in, brilliant little guy, knows every routine, can, you know, can follow all the routines, loves structure and all kinds of things. But he really wanted his school bus that he worked for. He wanted it right at the beginning of speech. And I told him, like, I always did first, you know, this, then speech. So he had to go, like, do his little routine, grab his folder, go sit down, everything which he normally would do. But this day he 
just really wanted to ask for his school bus right away. So I, I told him three times. And then by the fourth time, I probably pulled out what you would call like a mom tone. And I got a little bit more stern. And I just said, first, get your folder. You know, <laughs> he looks at me. And this is like a look I've seen from Mark, my boyfriend before. And he looks at me, he goes, oh, Miss M, calm down, okay? And he like smiled and totally knew what he was. I was just like, oh, oh, he did not just tell Miss M to calm down. Of course, I didn't say that. And I'm like hiding a really big laugh in this moment too, because it just when a four-year-old tells you to calm down, what, what? Like, what even is that? So I thought that was hilarious. And um, it's just my favorite story to tell. And I've probably said it on this podcast like five times, but it's funny. I have so many funny stories too. And so many good stories um, that I wish I, I probably should just start writing down or maybe what I'll do is I'll record them after they happen and then throw them in a podcast. <laughs> there we go. Um, when I go back to work anyways. Um, and then Christine asked, uh, about eloping and yes I have had story I have many stories many a story of elopers from speech sometimes it's more of an impulsive thing like they just are done and they just want to get up and that's what they do they just go um so it's not like they're they're directly protesting speech because they don't want to be there it's just like oh I feel like I'm done we've done a routine and they just kind of get up and go but I've had other situations you know obviously you're like oh no still going here but then I've had other situations where um, I've had, you know, I had a little first grader in my first year of working who always, she just always would just up and go when when I told her, you know, first work, then play or whatever. And it's, anytime something didn't go her preferred way, she up and left. Now she was, she would just stand outside the speech room, but it was like, nope, I'm, I can't deal with this, Miss M. Like, <laughs> you just told me no, I don't like that. Um, and sometimes it was harder to coax her back. And then, you know, we've had, um, I've had a little guy last school year who he eloped from his class and wandered in the speech room. Our, and I should say our rooms are all, um, they're all together. Like there's doors that join them. So, uh, it wasn't like he left and went outside and he had a one-on-one aide who was right behind him, but I just, I happened to look and he's walking in my speech room. And, you know, as a preschool speech therapist, we don't have kids come to our speech rooms. We go and get them and bring them back to class because they're little. Um, And so it was very interesting to have a little guy who's about to my knees, this tiny, tiny little guy, come into the speech room. So uh, that was a fun one. But, you know, with eloping, I always like to remind uh, speech pathologists and teachers and stuff especially if it's a protest, like, you know, it's an active protest to what is going on. You have to make sure you're interpreting their communication. So letting them know, I hear you. I know you don't want to do this right now. Or, okay, first let's finish. Then we're going to go outside because I know you really need your walk. Um, to let them know, I, I see what you're trying to communicate. I hear you. Always give them the language versus just a hard no, right? Hard. Nope. We don't do that. Make sure you're telling them. Now, sometimes, uh, you have kids who, you know, they have the language and they've been, you know, they're they're really being just naughty, I guess is a word for it. Um, but I always still like to err on the side of positivity and, and reminding them, I know what you want. I hear you. That's not an option yet. And use that kind of growth mindset language, like not yet, um, to let them know. Because sometimes we don't realize it, but little ones have that like 
maybe the little bit of anxiousness that I'm not going to get to do what I want to do. So just letting them know it can happen. We just need to finish this task or whatever. Um, okay. So then, oh, I'm like looking for my questions. Kim. Okay. Um, help me grow speech. Uh, that's Lindsay at help me grow speech. Sorry. Asked what other career choices did you pursue before landed landing on SLP? Well, um, <laughs> I was a biology major and I wanted to be a molecular biologist and, you know, cure diseases and, uh, cancer and all kinds of stuff. Anyways. Um, I, but before that, that was, that was like beginning of college. That was my goal before that. Well, I don't know, since seventh grade, I wanted to be a scientist, but through high school, I was like not good at science classes and kind of was like, do I really want to do this with my life? But then in college, I was like really into biology again. So I thought, yeah, maybe that's, I do. But um, I went to a community college and took biology classes and chemistry classes. I did not enjoy the chemistry classes at all. Um, Not that they were challenging, yes, but like I didn't enjoy learning about that stuff. I don't know. It was just interesting. But the biology I loved learning about. But then I stumbled into the field of speech pathology and once I committed to it, I never looked back. I never thought what if, even on the challenging days, I never thought I should have stayed a biology major. Um, I I did think for a blip, like a tiny little second in high school, I did consider looking into being a special education teacher. I was really, I really just you know, the kids that mainstreamed into my high school classes. Um, I just really loved getting to work with them. I loved seeing them in our classes. And I think, you know, and then I look now at my life and I'm like, yeah, and I work in a full inclusion preschool program. It's perfect. Um, I just just placed my heart for it and I didn't even know it until I really looked into the field. So yeah, never looked back and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um, Okay. Uh, the introverted speechy, that's Christine, asked for healthy eating accounts I like to follow. This is a fun change of pace. Um, yeah, there's a few. Um, I'm going to link them on the notes just because, uh, you know, that way you don't have to write them down. You just, they're a click away. But the first one that I really love her, her name's, okay, her handle is at Messina. It's at M-E-Z-E-N-A, at Messina, I think. Um, she has just, Oh my gosh, so many great things on her Instagram account. I love talking to her because she's so uplifting. She's so positive. She has a lot of different health-related things. So things from mindfulness to healthy eating, exercise, like all great things. Really love her. Really, um, she's got a whole highlight full of healthy recipes. She breaks down like um, food labels and talks about, you know, what we should look for when we go to the grocery store. Just so many great things. So I definitely recommend her. Another fun one, Olive Eats, um, Olivia, she is a speech pathologist, actually, believe it or not. And um, so I really love that, like, she has this whole Instagram feed. And I didn't even realize she was a speech pathologist until I looked in her profile. I was like, oh, no, it says her, you know, she's got her C's there listed. Love, love, love her. She, um, not only is she super uplifting, but again, just like the other accounts, she um, has a lot of you know, the whole, I guess you could call it like whole health, whole health approach, wholeness health. I don't know. Is there a term for that? Like when it's all mindfulness and physical and, um, food and everything. So she's got a lot of fun stuff. She's, 
and she's just she's very fun and all these accounts they're very fun and they're real at the same time I love it I love seeing their stories and then the third one is holistic happenings and that's Kirsten and she again has so many great um just tips for um you know uh just a healthy lifestyle, healthy mind, healthy body, great recipes. Her food pictures are beautiful. All of these, all these three ladies have beautiful pictures of food on their, on their Instagrams. So I'm going to link all those there. They're so great. Um, so thanks for asking that question. I love sharing that. Um, and then, uh, introverted speechy, wait, I'm getting my Kristen's, Christine also asked for quick mindfulness tips. Okay, quick. Oh, I have lots of these, but, um, a couple quick ones. So if like you're, I don't know, I don't know. I have so many. So the first one, let's do this one. It is think of three good things that happened to you today. So if you're in a situation where you're like getting frustrated with something, whatever it is, try and tell, think to yourself, what are three good things that happened today? This is something Mark and I will do with each other. Um, you know, if like, let's say I had a hard day at work, I'd be like, okay, well, what are three good things that happened to you today? And it forces you to think about it. Um, recently, I was venting about a conversation I'd had with my mom that I wasn't a fan of. And he said, list three good things about your mom, like just to help kind of shift your perspective. And, and without do no, like without saying the word gratitude, really what you're doing is you're, you're changing your mind and you're becoming more thankful for something. Even if you think of one thing, because I guarantee you, if you think of one thing, I saw this quote today, if you can list one thing you're grateful for, I think this is along these lines, you can list one thing you're grateful for, you'll start to list more or something like that. Like it just, it's a snowball effect and it's a good one to be on, right? Um, so that's one thing. So think of three good things. Another tip, breath work, um, deep belly breaths. And something that I read a little while ago in a book was a meditation book was saying, you know, yeah, sometimes you don't have all this time in a day maybe to, um, or you, you know, your time in a certain day is limited and you want to get in a meditation or two, or maybe in the middle of something like for me, I'm back to back sessions, walking kids to and from their classrooms. So sometimes if I have a canceled session, I can sit down in my chair for even just two minutes before I try to go get a makeup session in, um, I'll do like three breaths, close my eyes, kind of ground my feet on the floor or do crisscross applesauce, pretzel style, whatever in my chair, back straight and do three deep belly breaths with my eyes closed just to recenter. And maybe in that moment, you know, I'll, I'll put my hands on my belly to feel my breath or um, hands on my head or whatever it is. But it's super helpful because it just kind of regrounds you and you might in that moment just your mind either might get blank, you might kind of prompt yourself to think about things you're grateful for as you breathe or whatever it is. So those are some quick tips. One more that I really love. Smile real big so it's obnoxious for at least 10 seconds and then tell me you can't keep smiling. Um, This is something I do like if I'm on a drive home from work and I'm not feeling great but I don't want to you know, bring that energy maybe into my home. I'll smile so big like it's obnoxious and other drivers around me are probably like what the heck is that girl doing? But um. It's really helpful because you, as you like smile, you kind of start to think about things you're smiling about. It's something to do with your serotonin levels, maybe. I don't know. Mark recommends if smiling that big isn't helpful to try and smile while biting down on a pencil. Um, I'm sure he'll love that I threw that one in there because that's something he's he's told me to do before. Um, introverted Speechy also asked me if I'm in a school setting and if I've heard anything about the upcoming school year. Well, yeah. Um, I am in a school setting, preschool, um, and my district uh, has everything from preschool to eighth grade. <sighs> so the upcoming school year, let's talk about it today. This, this, so this is 
a Friday, uh, about a week and a half, no, two weeks before we're supposed to start school or the teachers go back. Today has been a roller coaster of information for me. We started the day out thinking, oh, we might be doing a hybrid model um, with our students. And it's been back and forth. And ultimately, by the end of the day, for the most part, we know we're going to be virtual like most of our surrounding school districts. However, I don't know what that means, what it means for speech pathologists or special education. So we'll find more out next week. So currently, I'm still in somewhat of an area of uh, the unknown. Cue the Frozen 2 song. But um, yeah, so so for all of you, even if you're not a school-based speech pathologist, um, all you teachers, medical SLPs, private practice SLPs, school-based speech pathologists, my hugs are just going out to you guys like crazy because I think we could all just use one big group hug with each other. I, I just, whew, what a year, right? But yeah, so we'll find out more. I'm staying positive. You know, today's, like I said, been a little bit of a roller coaster. I have definitely been... I'm trying not to deny the feelings. I'm trying to accept them and and interpret my feelings about everything. But ultimately, you know, I'm here for my students. And if I think of them, like I could cry talking about them. I love them so much. It breaks my heart that my little preschoolers that really need that social interaction, they need to learn how to be students. They thrive from our school routines. Breaks my heart that they won't get to start their school year, typically. However, I want them all to be healthy. I want all my staff and friends and teachers and colleagues and everyone out there to be healthy. Um, I know this is really hard for all of us and I miss my students so much, Um, but but I'm here for them. So however, however I can service them, I will. And so, you know, I'm just grateful that I get to. I'm grateful that I have the job that I love and the students and the families I get to work with are amazing. And I, you know, I look forward to when we do resume, however it is, um, I just look forward to seeing them. And so that's where I'm at with that. So uh, thank you for that question, though, because I think we're all, you know, in we're all feeling this like, what is going on? And uh, I'm here for you, friends. You can DM me anytime. Okay. Um. Oh my gosh, I think that's it. I think I made it through all the questions, friends. I didn't even realize I didn't do like a cool little last question announcement or anything like that, but that was really fun. I'm going to have to do more of these. So like I said, stay tuned for more Q&As. I'll definitely be, um, maybe I'll get to, if you have specific uh, people you want to see come on the podcast, let them know. Maybe we could do a Q&A with them. Or if you want to come on it and do a podcast with a Q&A session, let me know. Anyways, that's it for today. I'm um, going to end on a high note because I think that last question got me a little bit emotional. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, um, this is an exciting time for me. As much as it is, uh, you know, I'm in a world of uncertainty with work. I have some really fun projects coming. Um that I don't, I'm not going to say too much on now, although, because I don't know when this episode will actually come out and if it'll be in the right amount of time. So please stay tuned with my social media. Uh, You know, make sure you're on Instagram checking out what's going on because there is an exciting project coming that has to do with gratitude and has to do with my Say Thanks More movement that you've all been the most supportive of. And I love you all for that because we are going to be doing something fun with it. And when I say we, I'm working with a team And um, that's all I can say. I'm just so excited. And 
that's a big, uh, big success and just big moment to share with you and be excited about. So ah, that was a fun note to end on because now I feel so excited. All right. So remember, rate, review, subscribe. Let me know what you're thinking. Go on thinksmorris.com and fill out a submission page if you have a suggestion or a question, request, anything about anything you want to hear. Um, if you want to be on the podcast and talk about something specific, great, let me know. If you want to nominate somebody that you think I should uh, reach out to to be on the podcast, great, let me know. Tell me what we can talk about. Um, if you do have a specific suggestion, but you're like, I don't really know who would talk about it, still let me know because I can read, I, I can find people. <laughs> um, all right, friends, I got to get going. It is, uh, it's getting late and I'm going to go to bed. So have a great one wherever you're at sending you hugs and we will talk soon.